gonna are we gonna hang up or do we actually want to do an outro thing? Uh, we should probably do an outro. We should at least have a safety if not. Like if you can't yeah. cobble together anything out of that bullshit. I, um, do I? I can do one, and I'll mention like, hey, Chris never does it. Chris should do one. He hates that shit. I know, but that's why I want him to do it. Okay, good. Uh, thanks for joining us that was a fun conversation about Mad Max um, check us out next time when we make another thing into another thing <laughs> <laughs> nailed it that's a nice qualifier there it was a, it was, that was a fun conversation about Mad Max don't tell people how they feel you guys had a lot of fun <laughs> I sure did Hello and welcome to Story, a podcast where we take one form of media and translate it into another. Today we'll be taking the Mad Max movie series and transforming them into a children's TV show. Because nothing says children like shotguns. Hey listen, okay, all the 80s kids shows were fucking violent as hell, like G.I. Joe, uh, Thundercats, uh, Robocop. Robocop. Wait, was there a Robocop cartoon? Yes. Yes. It's one of the, m- the least appropriate things that's ever been adapted. But there was, was that also, era. It was on at like four in the morning for some reason. Oh, weird. There was that era. Yeah. Well, that's that's why I think it would work well for that sort of like eighties era cartoon because there was a lot of shit that sort of became kid the like kid kidified over time that was not appropriate. Like I had a shitload of Terminator Two toys when I was a kid, and that was not a kid friendly movie. But somehow, like the viol- like you could take the violent parts of it and just say, "Oh, well, he shoots rockets." Like, at, you know, he's got like a like a spring-loaded rocket launcher, and it's it's just like a GI Joe esque twist on it. Um, well, I think it was a very, but they also like the whole movie was like about teaching a robot not to kill people. That's a good point. You got me there. But those, yeah, but even like RoboCop or like all those all those movies had like like toy tie-ins for young children. Uh, and they were like pretty violent, like a guy in, in RoboCop. And we're doing a RoboCop show, but like that guy like gets mutated by like acid and like exploded over the hood of a car. <laughs> There's some really oh, graphic yeah. shit in that movie. And then they made a bunch of RoboCop toys. So I feel like that the era, that era, like the mid '80s or late '80s, early '90s of taking a movie that's pretty violent and not really kid friendly, but kids have probably seen it and think it's pretty badass, and turning it into a kid friendly version of itself. Like, there's a ton of RoboCop video games and Game Boy games and, and all that stuff. So, I definitely had a bunch of Terminator Game Boy games. So, I, like, well, I feel were, like I mean, Mad like, Max would fit that pretty well. It's, like, weird. I feel like in the 80s, uh, like, toy companies just saw the, the like, designs for these rad things. And then, like, they saw Ed 209 from RoboCop and they're like, fuck, man. That's, like, we, we don't have anything as good as this. Like, can we put this on a... On a you know, like a kid's show, or can we, like, make a toy out of this that people can buy? Like, we don't have to sell the movie to the kid. Yeah. Let's just sell them the toy. That's a good point. Uh, and I think that they that kind of inadvertently made kids want to watch the movies. They didn't think it through, you know? It was kind of like... I remember watching RoboCop and that guy exploding and just, like, being horrified. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was, like, 11. Maybe even younger than that. I was even younger than that. I must have seen that movie when I was, like, 9. Because it came out in 1987, so I would have been seven when it came out. Jesus. So home video is when I saw it. Yeah. I saw Alien, the first Alien on Betamax in Bermuda. That's, <laughs> you know, it was fucking OG. And that movie, I should and not And that was watch. in like 2003, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, we just got yeah. Betamaxes there a few years ago. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Bermuda. <laughs> yeah. Uh. It's true, though. I, I'm from there. I can make fun of it. Um, and I remember yeah, watching that movie. You know, well, it's, I did it, so it's fine. Uh, that okay. movie is fucking, it's terrifying as like, a grown adult at some at points if you've never seen it before. So I watched that movie when I was like six, maybe or seven years old. I didn't even really understand what I was seeing. It was nightmarish. And, but like they sold alien toys, you know, they sold the face hugger and they sold the, like, like the Ripley and the gun and the, and the, the Xenomorph toys. So <laughs> they knew those movies were not appropriate for kids. Yeah. Really anyway, let's continue the trend and make a Mad Max. Hell yeah! <laughs> well, my point is that the, the 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 trend has been set. We just got to just do that. Yeah. Yeah. So Mad Max's dog is the first place to start because that, uh... that was weirdly <laughs> all I've been thinking about all day since we started really? to talk about this. Well, he would definitely have a dog. Well, he has a dog. Well, I know, but I mean, he would play, he would play like a huge role in the cartoon series. Oh yeah, the dog would be like a cute, like Slimer esque. Uh... The companion that like got into mischief 
Oh yeah, easily. Do you, yeah. So he would have some way to communicate too, right? Like he wouldn't be able to talk, but like he would bark, and Mad Max would be like, "What's that boy?" Like he would like lassie it for sure, right? Like he. Would oh, they would have built him like a dark brown. Like yeah, and they would have built like a dark brown esque like contraption for him to like uh, feed himself biscuits or some shit. You know? Oh man, he totally would. Yeah, if this is an eighties yeah. kids cartoon, he would have some sort of weird mechanical arm contraption where he could like. Like move stuff, like manipulate things that's like attached to his back. It'd be kind of goofy too, and there'd be like a fat guy also, like in Max's like entourage, and then like the dog would like hit the thing, and then the fat guy would come in, and like the the biscuit would like fly off of the Rube Goldberg like, machine <laughs> and just hit the fat guy in the face. He'd be like, "Damn it, dog!" And he would say, "That's gonna leave a mark." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just John Candy doing the voice of of whatever character this is. Uh, oh, and there would be an entire episode about the dog uh, finding another dog, you know, like in the, in the post-apocalypse and like almost leaving Max uh, because he wanted to go be with this other dog as his best friend and Max would be jealous. Would it be um, like a very special afternoon special of like of like the, the after school special of like learning about jealousy or peer pressure or bully? You know, like all, all the Saturday morning cartoon shows had like one or two episodes that was a little like a little dark and it was like specifically designed to teach a lesson, you know? Yeah, it'd be about, like, spaying and neutering your pet. <laughs> <laughs> like, Max would just find a litter of dogs. Uh, That's and so be like, where the hell did this come from? I, yeah. I love the idea that We don't that have Max... any food to feed all these dogs. Right. Well, we got We're already fighting over the outpost. It is. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah. Got, we got dogs. We could feed the dogs. <laughs> That's it's how it ends. Survivor in a nuclear wasteland. <laughs> Uh, I would love to see an episode where yeah, Max looks at Max and he's like, Max, I don't think you're thinking this through. <laughs> we can have an infinite supply of food. Uh, I, I love the idea that Max would have to like neuter his dog with like post-apocalyptic implements. Just <laughs> like, like a shotgun. Oh, God. <laughs> Blows his balls off. Boy, this is a really good children's show. Uh, if, if, we're gonna, if Mad Max is going to have an entourage, which he most likely would for this type of show he would definitely definitely have a child or a several children with him well, they gotta get kids that, in there right that kid from mad max too with the no, boomerang well yeah or but there's the whole fucking squad of kids from the third movie where he like uh gets sent out into the desert for failing it at the thunderdome and he comes across all the children who are the survivors the children survivors of like the plane crash uh, and th- there's like a squad of them. There's like a shitload of them. They all have weird little personalities, um, like Goonies style. So you probably you probably pick the most like popular. You do a quick survey, pick the popular like two or three out of that, and then you just have a squad of those kids fucking running around. So we're making. It sounds like we're making our own mythology here, or, or kind of like like patchworking. It doesn't sound like we're really drawing from Fury Road. We're doing, we're going straight back to the '80s and just making it in that period. Is that, is that yeah, well, I mean, if we're making a, a, a like a Saturday morning cartoon show, those don't really exist anymore, so we have to go back to the '80s, right? Like, yeah, just making sure I understand like, well, where, I think, where we're drawn from. And we have, and we should probably take some time actually to like discuss the movies, all of them, all four of them, even including Fury Road, because one of the things when you suggested this, Chris, I, I immediately thought it was a great idea because uh, you're really smart. Anyway, no. Um, the the thing Thanks about for this movie, yeah, hey, that's continue. all we need to play. Yeah. Uh, the they're each so separate from each other. Like the first Mad Max movie is really the only one that has any sort of like, um, like the world sort of right after the apocalypse or right before, right after. I don't remember where exactly it begins, but like it. And Chris, you've seen them recently, but there's a little bit of like, oh yeah, this just happened, and things are really lawless right now until. Beyond Thunderdome, where things are a little bit more like settled and people are building towns again, and then Fury Road, where there's different towns and they have different things they do. Like there's Bullet Town, and there's you know Gasoline Town, and they each have their own like boss, and he's like this weird, unique character. But each one of those movies is very self-contained. They they have a very specific story they tell, and they don't. It's not like Mad Max Three, where he's you know something from Mad Max Two comes back. It's not like like Die Hard, where oh the brother of a character he killed in Mad Max One is back for revenge, and that's the st- they're all very self-contained, uh, at least how I remember them. So I kind and- of you know it's weird. Like Fury Road made me feel like uh, Mad Max is actually just sort of um, he's almost like a mythical character, like mm. that people tell stories about because most of these movies have like. Um, you know, like a voiceover talking about Max coming into their lives and leaving again. And it's sort of like this, like, 
it almost feels like um in the post apocalypse he's like this uh myth yeah. you know like it could even not be one guy you know it could just be different stories that are attributed to him uh i don't know it just it just struck me especially you know you get the last one and basically the same thing happens and he's uh he's a different dude he's actually right. kind of a different dude and he just kind of sweeps into these people's lives helps them out is sort of a selfish dick and then leaves you know Leaves, behind, leaves, but you know he doesn't. He's transient. He doesn't stay in one place. Um, I almost feel like he's not the same character in every movie, even though it's mostly Mel Gibson. It's weirdly like it would make an interesting TV show, like for that. Like they haven't had. I, I know this is separate from a, a Saturday morning cartoon, possibly, but like there used to be more shows that were more about kind of wandering heroes, kind of like. Quantum Leap. Oh, fuck. Yeah, you beat me to Leap. it. God damn yeah. it. That was the first I can't remember. Say. We kind of talked about this in a previous episode. I think it was the uh, Papers, Please episode, actually. But they had, uh, yeah, Quantum Leap, um, even like Murder, She Wrote, Columbo, you know. MacGyver. Like, there is kind of procedurals yeah, now. But they, they have different case cases. Yeah, A-Team, MacGyver. But that actually almost would be a cool, Mad Max would also be almost be a cool TV show like that. Yeah, that's um, kind of what I was thinking, too, is that like... It, there's something definitely interesting. Like we wouldn't be able to do an entourage of of like goofy characters if he was a different character each time. But like the idea, like each episode is about all Mad Max, is somewhat interesting for a kids show that might be a little bit too high concept. But I think that what to to both of your points, like the fact that each time he gets into a situation, it, like the movies are almost a long serialized sequence of like he came to this person and then helped them with this and then he vanished into the, into the desert and then he came to this person and helped them and vanished into the desert and so every episode would just be him encountering i almost want to just you know? like make a quantum leap series like a quantum leap style series out of this there's an 80s show starring like the guy from airwolf or something you know what i mean like oh man i feel like that might be better yeah if it's not a kid's show and it's not a cartoon you can definitely get away with doing some more serious stuff like more serious like stuff where you have a specific thing you're trying to say you know well let's be honest there wasn't gonna be an hour's worth of conversation about the kids show so we could always like just try that and we could always do both you know we could always yeah. like like take half or part of the podcast and talk about each one of them let's just see where this goes uh, keep going sean i want to hear where you're going with this no i just like i, I think there's a definitely there's like a space for it to exist uh as a syndicated like night rider-esque show mm. where it's like it's not a low budget show but it's not a high budget show. And so like a it's lot like a of middle the, budget show. Yeah. It's like one of those middle budget shows, <laughs> but like you have like the fall guy or, um, yeah. Like we were just talking about MacGyver was not, you know, it was on TV, there were explosions and stuff, but it was like mostly just people talking or you like, you know, bullets here and there. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, it was, it was like, there, there was a definitely sort of this halfway between a movie and TV show thing that was on TV in the eighties that doesn't really exist anymore. It's yeah, kind of this the weird... action show. Yeah, yeah. The Incredible, like, Hulk, my... the Incredible Hawk show was a lot like that too. He just kind of wandered around. And like... I mean, a lot of those shows existed in the late seventies, like mid eighties. It seems like to your point, Sean. Like we don't really have that anymore. You know? Like, yeah, it's that, like about a person a wandering around. And just, like, getting into people's lives, like that's that's what the show is. This is people wandering. And, I wonder if there's like, like a societal reason for that. You know what I mean? Like that. Like we've just named off like at least a half dozen or more shows that were that followed a similar formula back then, of like a a a person of unusual talent in some particular regard comes into people's lives to solve it, like to accidentally mix up their life more complicated and then solves that problem and then just like vanishes and then it's never seen again and then some shows up in another person's life like. Well, it used to be, like, I think, like, like TV has changed a lot, right? Like, you, like, these days, things are mostly serialized, and you sort of have to watch the whole thing to, you know, like, there aren't episodes that you just pick up and, and drop. Right. And I think that's, that's something that is, that comes out of, like, people staying home and watching more TV and going out less and uh, that kind of shit, you know? Like, it's just, people are more isolated, I think, mm. even though there's more connected with the internet. It's, it's weird. Um. But yeah, I mean, it'd be cool even to take that concept and and, and put it into like ra rather than make an '80s show, make an '80s style show now and see what yeah. that looks like. You know? Yeah, because like the 
even in like the nineties with the X Files, like they had a blend of Monster of the Week one off, you can miss it and not miss anything about their characters evolving, and then they had all this sort of like high concept conspiracy a plot shit that you had to watch in order or you wouldn't know who the fucking shadowy dude in this in the sitting in a chair drinking coffee was right uh so they had like a mix of it but i i think that was one of the shows that like started to at least in my memory started to sort of like push things away from you know the the 80s style serialized you can just kind of catch an episode of macgyver and not and not miss anything anyway we're not really talking about uh mad max right now but this is still interesting yeah so I guess we could do either. Um, I'm I'm down for either. We had said Saturday morning cartoon. That could be fun for a minute, but if you want to try the other, I mean, I think they'd be very similar. Um, because I think you wouldn't be able to show that, like, like Mad Max. Those movies have a pretty significant amount of violence, not not like gross and graphic, but there's a you know, decent amount of it. But a lot of it, you could take the edge off in the way that '80s kids shows or even '80s television shows would, where like. You'd fire. You see a guy firing a assault rifle, but you, like he would probably just like cut some trees down with it and have the tree fall on the bad guy. You know what I mean? Like no one is like getting graphically shot in the face in '80s television shows or in '80s kids shows. So there's a lot of like you push a guy off your car. You have a fight on the hood of your car and you push him off into the sand. You see him tumble away and he's probably fine. You don't know, but like in the movie, he probably got would have gotten run over by a truck, right? But in the, in the television show version of that, you just see that guy go tumbling and you don't like know if he's dead or alive. You know what I mean? Like I think that would match regardless of whether or not it was a kids show or a or a serialized like re- like live action show. We could also go if we're making it now. You could go full on like Spartacus and just be fucking bloody as hell. <laughs> like yeah, that's true too. Yeah, just make it like an HBO show. <laughs> do whatever you want, you know. Like it, it's the the um it's been much more opened up kind of for that kind of material. Yeah, if if you if it were on like HBO or Stars or whatever it might be. I think that there's like, you know, I mean, it, the, the uh, kids version of this is definitely like, I think the, the movies weirdly always have like a child. Yeah, in every single time. That is, you know, either in, in peril or has, has died, right? Um, but like, like the, the second and third movies, especially their kids. Uh, and, and like, I mean, you could, I guess, argue that the women are sort of, uh, childlike in the fourth one, they, and uh, she was. They've been very sheltered, but the whole thing was about a pregnancy. Like the, the main reason that they were yeah, chased exactly, is because yeah. she was pregnant. But I mean, I think that that would be what like would have been latched onto by people trying to make a cartoon out of it. Like they would have, you know, you would have been running into a lot more children to kind of make it appeal to kids more, right? Uh, which is, you know, like what you were saying earlier. I think maybe before we started the podcast, but there was this idea that. You know, there's those kids in the third movie uh, that kind of go off and do their own. Like, they would be, like, side characters. I think you wouldn't just have it be about Max and the dog wandering around. It would probably be Max and the dog at the base of operations, wherever those kids are, you know. Right. And they kind of go back there. Maybe they're all traveling together. Yeah, I, like... It feels just those kids, like those kids existing, makes it feel very much more like a GI Joe uh, type show, where like they would encounter children. I guess in the PSA part at the end, when they'd be like, "Hey, let's talk about you know not accepting candy from strangers or whatever," uh, and like the the GI Joe characters would sort of like talk to children on in the television show as stand-ins for the audience, um, and it, that seems like a thing that they did a lot back then. But even like. In those movies, in the second and third movies, they added those children to to soften those movies and make them more approachable to, to kids. So even like if we were to make this a, a show that was live action, we'd probably want to put it around the PG thirteen rating just so that we could have like adults watch it, but also kids watch it and think it was badass as well. Uh, and then you know, even though it's a little bit maybe a little bit violent for kids, I don't know if we'd want to show guys heads getting blown off and stuff. You know what I mean? Like it, like it doesn't fit. The Knight Rider, trip, like like uh, um, a team MacGyver sort of feel of that style of show, even if it made it a modern show, you know. But those movies are really violent, but they're not like they've never been grotesque, right? You know, you, like none of them really have. I mean, even like when a Morton Joe gets killed in the fourth movie, yeah, it's like it's really hor- it's like what hor- a horrible thing happens, but it's like implied, right? And yeah. It's, it's not um, directly shown. 
what it is. There's so, a lot more like cars flipping over and exploding, and you're like, well, I guess that guy's dead. But you never see a body, like body parts flying out of the explosion. Right. It's not, you know, you don't get fingers getting blown off and heads actually like, you know, there's not a lot of blood. They're very bloodless for the most it's, part. Yeah. It's weird, too, because I feel like, like in thinking about it now, it, it's, I feel like the movies maintain their humanity, like, a little bit through that, because, like, everything else is kind of so bleak and grotesque. Like, there's all the mutants and the people starving, you know? Mm. And then, like, it just, just not showing that is, it feels kind of vital to the pro- the property, too. You know, if it would feel that much more different, I think, if it was, like, you know, we just saw somebody's fucking brains get shot out <laughs> and hit the lens. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Weirdly, though, like, the second movie has that, like, rape scene that just goes on forever. Oh, God, I know. It's, like, horrifying. But, it like, also, like, you know, it's there for a reason, I uh, think. I don't know, man. No, it's, I mean, I think, here's the thing. It is there for a reason. I think they could have cut out of it earlier. It's pretty fucking disturbing. I feel like you could have uh, gotten what you needed without, I think you could have probably done a different scene and gotten the same intent. I, well, that, I don't that, know. That just I mean, always squicks me out a little bit, but. It, it, yeah, but it's not, you know, it does say that these people are fucking terrible people. Yeah. Um, and I'm not arguing that, you know, I get it, no, I it couldn't have existed without it. I do think it could have, the movie could have been made without it, but I don't think that they included it for no reason. Right. Um, but anyway, yeah. It, but, like, it's really long and, and, and upsetting. And it's probably the worst thing in the movies, I feel like. It's, like, the worst thing that happens, like... Uh, I think you're probably right. It's the hardest thing to watch, or the the thing that's the most sort of um, actual violent. And it's like uh, actual violent. It's not implied, right? Like it is pretty much just what you see. Like a lot of, to your point earlier, like a lot of the violence is way more implied. Um, mm-hmm. But even when that guy gets his like fingers cut off trying to catch the boomerang in the second <laughs> movie, like they just they just kind of fall there in the sand, and then there's no blood. It's weird you know that, I mean? that that moment is like supposed to be really funny. Mm-hmm. Like it's definitely a gag. But, like, gags in this world are one where a guy gets his fingers cut off. You know what I mean? Like, there's no, like, cu- like dick punches or, like, dick, like getting kicked in the balls in this universe. Right. It would just be like you get your leg blown off, and that's somehow that's a true, gag. actually. Uh, Max's wife, before she dies, like, when she first gets attacked by the villain in the first movie, she Toe knees cutter. him in the balls. She knees him in the balls and fucking... While he's, like, eating her ice cream. <laughs> and, like... <laughs> It's so good. I do not remember the first movie at all, I guess. Holy shit. She I just remember not having eyebrows. There's just like a fucking, uh, and then just cuts to a shot of his face and just ice cream smushed all over it and he's like crossing <laughs> his eyes like, ooh. Like he <laughs> just got in the balls. So, I love that it's like, weird, but it's good. they didn't know what the tone of that fucking movie was back then. That's fucking good. Holy shit. All I remember from the first movie is the villain was named Toe Cutter or a character was named Toe Cutter and that's the same guy who played Immortan Joe played him and he's like a biker oh i didn't realize and that it was way more yeah it's, a, it's the same actor which is cool um it's way more like a western i guess where there's like a bike gang it's like a specific gang that he's like running running down because he's like an ex-cop and all i remember is someone getting like handcuffed to a car and then he there's like a like a gas leak or he or he pours gas towards the car yeah. and he like hands the guy a hacksaw and like lights the the pile like it, he like lets it like burn down to the point where it's going to like and it's like a timer like eventually it's gonna like catch the car on fire and explode him and he's like here you go it's the only way to get out is is to fucking hack your own arm off and he just that's walks li- away literally the very end of the movie is it really well okay yeah, that's yeah. all I remember from that is I could have sworn it was like one of the intro beats but I guess I remember that wrong no it's it, the very end because the guy like killed his like partner earlier so that's is that like the, the thing. is that is that him like ultimately disposing of the antagonist he was like searching for or no like toe cutter the main guy weirdly dies like right before that like max just chases him into a semi (laughs) hits into semi (laughs) and then he catches up with this character that you're talking about and like uh he's the guy that like killed his partner in the in the same way and he like basically is like there's a there's leaking gas and he's like he like basically sets it up the light on fire soon and he hits in the hacksaw and he's like you can survive, but only if you chop your ankle off, basically. Oh, is it his foot? Okay. Yeah, and then uh, he nev- so never showed it, up. So then, obviously, the guy who wrote Saw just saw that and said, all right, that's what my movie is going to be. There's just a whole movie of that. If you want to survive, you have to fucking mutilate yourself. Oh, man. And the funniest scene in, in the movie history, uh, later in the movie, when it actually happens. 
Yeah, it's so, so funny. It's a good gag. Uh, <laughs> God, saw fuck. I was really into that movie when I was when I was younger. I, I regretfully admit uh, the first one. Mm. I know <clears throat> it was the twist. I was like so into that, and, and I know it's really a shameful thing to say, but you know we're all friends here. Uh, Not anymore. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I meant that uh, ironically. I loved it. Um, uh, But I want to talk a little bit about uh, the world and sort of like the tone and the visuals because it has a very specific like visual style, obviously, where everyone's just wearing bondage gear and just like jock straps and that's it. (laughs) But I feel like we probably have to tone some of that down for the for the the television show, you know? For the television show or for the for for. The live action television show. Either way, I think I don't think we could get away with having like, like a dude. I don't know. There's just a lot of just like butts. There's a whole lot of butts in that <laughs> dude butts. Uh, and I don't know if that's something we would be able to get away with, kids show or otherwise. You know. Have you seen He Man's outfit? Uh, you got me. Well, it's on HBO. I mean, Westworld is just all butts too. So like, you're gonna have uh, butts. Well, that's what I'm oh, saying. Yeah, it's like, are we going HBO, HBO and then we're, we can do like butts out, boobs out, blood, <sighs> or whatever we want? Or is this like a Knight Rider show? I think this is like a mad, this is like an AMC or Netflix show. Okay. That is a, that is not, um, it's like Altered Carbon. I don't know if you've watched any Altered Carbon. Yeah, Altered Carbon very much strikes me as a show that would have been in like that Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, like, you know, Highlander category, like of like low budget, ago. high concept, Xena, uh, Hercules type thing. Yeah, like, it's like, actually pretty high, but it still feels cheesy somehow. It's like mega cheesy. It's like yeah, it, it doesn't. Um, it, it it does it does it doesn't shake off that veneer of being cheap, even though it looks expensive. Yeah, I get and what like you're I th- I think that um, you know. Uh, this show could be in that vein, right? Where it's like, you know, it's a high concept thing. They're probably going to do it as cheaply as possible. It's going out to the desert and filming a lot. Yeah. Rather than, you know, creating sets and things where they have like one set they keep reusing or whatever. They digitally do some things, but it's not like high quality VFX. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. That makes sense to me. So, and then, you know, then you can keep it. I think that's the problem with those shows where they're traveling, right? Because they keep going into different places, and those different places are uh, have to be new every every week. And if you're doing twenty episodes, this would probably be if we did it nowadays like thirteen episode, uh, whatever. Like those, like the Marvel shows are right. Know, it's probably that that range, thirteen episodes. Um, but yeah, I mean, you've got Mad Max. Traveling around, getting into uh, getting into people's lives, basically over resources or whatever, and then occasionally for other reasons, um, and you know, just getting a new dog every now and again. <laughs> That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. This is definitely not a kid's show. Now, if that dog well, ever dies, not it's show. not a kid's show. That's the end. Well, if it's a kid's, it's not a kid's show anyway. For doing an anime, if we're doing an animated show, it doesn't matter. The budget's not a problem. Right. That's a good point. Um, I mean, it's something, is, but in a different way. I haven't really seen it <clears throat> in a while, but I was like, Samurai Jack came to mind too. Like, you could do something that's very, that just completely leans into like almost no dialogue. You it's know, very, um, it's they're very tonally similar too. Like a person who's trying to find something in this weird wasteland. Everything's different and weird and, and like blown up. You know, uh, and there's a there's a main antagonist in that show that he's trying to get to, but he has to go through all these other like fucking trials to do that it, it there's a lot of it's funny that you say that i was thinking that too before the show there's a there's a a weird amount i, I assume that that show was just like inspired heavily by mad max i would i would love uh like in a like a cartoon like a mature cartoon that dealt with mad max i think that'd be really cool yeah um, it's almost like a silent film you know yeah well, Max himself is a very, like, taciturn character who just is not... In- like, what I like about him is he's just not interested in any of that shit. You know what I mean? Like, he's here to get his gasoline and just move on. And he always gets himself embroiled in situations where he's like, I need something from you. And the person in trouble is like, all right, I'll give it to you. But first, you have to help me deal with my problem. And he's like, fuck. Okay, fine. What do we have to do? What am I doing? Like, I just want to get out of here alive. Um, and he never really but wants to get it- involved in those situations. 
Not initially, though. But I think he always finds a reason to sort of, like, you know, get involved beyond yeah. just the initial reason he was there. And then he, he doesn't let himself get too close to that. Like, that's what he keeps doing. It's, yeah. like, just booking. Um, it could be an interesting... I mean, it's a good, there's a good metaphor there, right? Like, for him wandering the wasteland... Um, but then every time he finds a settlement, there's something there that's like, there's water, or there's gasoline, or there's, you know, it's, it's, it, it, but he also has social contact, and that's important. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like, you could play a lot with that in an animated show. I think that'd be really cool. The, kind of, the visuals could really, really be rad if I, it was sort of well animated and, and, uh, and just sort of gorgeously art directed. Yeah. Like, one of the cool things about Fury Road to me was that, like, you know, that wasteland was just fucking beautiful looking yeah, up most really of the time. Was. And, like, that was that was super unexpected <laughs> and cool. Like, it's just very colorful, very sort of alive, even though it's dead. Even the different parts, like, there's that one scene at night with the tree. God, that scene is so good. And it's just, yeah. like, the, 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 even, like, even when it gets, like, the nighttime, you know, like, they separate the the scenes with, like color palette and just even and that storm like like all the reds and stuff of that storm that they went into they were just like natural in the fl- frames or at least natural to the to the world that they were depicting it was really really cool almost, yeah it was almost like a festive in a weird way yeah it was way, way more visually um varied than i would have expected especially like the other movies well, I mean, Beyond Thunderdome has like the, the weird grotto that all the kids live in, but for the most part, it's just like barren sand, desert in all directions. So, the fact that that movie had such a very like you go through like the poisoned like remains of the forest, and it's like blue, and there's a creepy like stilt creature or person, whatever it was, like sort of like stomping through this mud, and it's like wet and 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 on uh, you, everything's just like different. Everything, every place you go is different, and that definitely ties itself well too. A, a serialized television show because like every episode you don't want it to look the same you don't want every episode's color palette to just be like brown and and you know yellow sand everywhere so trying to come up with like okay this there's a corner of the of the outback that is you know just rock and water and it's like an oasis and people live there and it's it's like a big waterfall like like in uh, the third movie uh oh these people live in uh you know, this poisoned swamp area and it's sort of like there, there are still trees there but they're all dead and so but there's a lot of shade because there's a lot of like overgrowth and stuff and um you could come up with really unique weird things for each episode that that i think would be sort of like fit within the tone especially of the fourth movie yeah that would be it it seems like it'd be a pretty cool show well yeah we should make it <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other all right so good. Go ahead, sorry. No, I was just going to say, um, the other thing that's good, especially about the fourth movie, well, about all of them in general, is that, like, the antagonist is always super fucking unique. Like, their their character design is really, really unique. And in sort of a sort of children's enemy, like, they, I keep going back to G.I. Joe, but, like, Lord Humongous is very different looking from, um, Mortan Joe is very different looking from the guy who runs, like, Bullet Town, which is very different from the guy who runs, like, the Gasoline Town like they all have really unique, like quote unquote monster designs, which is very like kids show or not kids show, but like uh, that style of show. Or like it just he just comes up against interesting, visually unique. They all their voices are different. Um, all their personalities are really like wild. So you have like the Cobra Commander and the Destro and the Sinestro and the like. They all have like a thing that's really like visually distinct about them. Uh, you know, then then. Each episode, like having an antagonist per episode, uh, is really interesting, and especially in the fourth movie where there's like this sort of like agreement that all of these settlements have, like the like the Omartan Joe sort of trades water to the bullet guys for bullets, who then trade bullets to the, the gasoline guys, and they're all sort of like allied together in a sort of weird Legion of Doom kind of thing. If we wanted to make it a, a larger sort of world or a larger sort of plot where he gets like starts finding out that these guys are all sort of tied together in this weird like alliance. Um, that's definitely an option available to us because of what the the fourth movie did. It's it's interesting you say that too, because um, I was thinking about some of these other shows and quantum leap pops out particularly, but there's an overarching goal for the main character, right? Yeah. So you might be able to like, to keep Max more like active and motivated, like, 
you could give him something like a, you know a revenge story where he's working through people kind of like a like Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy where he's you know trying to kill the person who killed his family or whatever and then he keeps getting conflicting information um or it, it just kind of drives him moving through the wasteland episode to episode and you know not every episode has to be about that maybe he's on the way to somewhere and you know he gets a flat tire or something and then he has to stop in a settlement, you know, like... That's like a really exciting episode. Uh-oh, got to do some car maintenance. <laughs> as the yeah. Where's my jack? Well, there is one, though. There's an episode there where, it, you know, it's in the middle of nowhere. He doesn't have a spare. His spare is busted. And he doesn't have, he doesn't have enough water. You know, and he's got to solve that problem. Like, yeah, it's almost like... A, that could a, be an episode. Yeah, That'd be a really a cool point. episode, actually, it where it's like... It's almost like 127 hours, where it's just like him... Oh yeah, like That's fighting cool. the elements essentially. He, he like, can't leave his car, and all around him is just death in all directions. Yeah, I'm kind of imagining like this show being like a six-episode limited run, like, like a mini, high-quality, like animated thing. Yeah, you know, like you do just a very limited number, but they're all like an hour long. You know, and just like telling very specific stories about Mad Max, like using that character as, sort of, as a mythical character. and like, like Kind of like Black Mirror, right? Like Black Mirror is uh, very tied together by this idea of technology uh, and, and how humans interact with it. But like every episode is vastly different of what kind of story it's telling about that. Mm. Did, didn't they make a Batman thing like right after the Dark Knight? It was called like Gotham Knight or something... Where it was like, uh, what the fuck was it? I can't remember what it was called, but it was like this Batman uh, cartoon. It was like a, like almost like a adult cartoon, I think, in which the, every in every iteration of the, like in every story within this sort of antholo- anthological piece, um, he looked different because a different person was like recounting their experience with with Batman. Do you understand? Yeah, Do you remember that, what I'm talking about? It's called Gotham Knight. I'm just looking it up. Yeah, me yeah, too. You're right. <clears throat> Six short that... anime superhero films, and each each one each each one was done by a different studio. So they kind of like they just yeah each one is set between Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. That's interesting. I think that's, it's about like cool. there's different people recounting their run in with Batman, and uh... if if there was like a framing story where each like each one is just like people around a campfire and each one's like. Oh, I got a story about Mad Max. Let me tell you my story, and then it just like fucking crossfades to their, like oh, yeah. their experience with him. Yeah, that could be kind of cool. That kind of framing element, or it could be yeah. you know, in the Saturday morning cartoon, like shitty version of it. It would be like all the mad bad guys like in jail. Yeah, fucking mad. I love. And at the hang end, on. he shows up and like burns the jail down. <laughs> I was gonna say okay. I was gonna say let's rewind a second because there, the fact that there's a jail implies so much. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it implies like there's like there's an, a law structure that they're like, what are they in jail for? Are they waiting a trial? Like what is happening in this like weird That's a twist at the end? They come out no, and it's like wait, normal, wait, like, normal life. The there's twist no, at the end. No sorry. The twist at the end is that Max is the last one to tell his own story. Yes. yes oh yes. fuck! You're right. Oh it's shit. Like Robin Hood. Yeah, like when he when he wins the archery contest, essentially. Oh my god! Yeah. Or it's more like, um, uh, shit. What's that Japanese film that we talked about a lot when we were making Borderlands? Uh, Rashomon. Rashomon. Where they're all like giving their testimony about how like Mad Max caught them, and each one's like slightly different. But Mad Max wouldn't catch them though; they yeah, would all that, be that, dead. That's what I'm saying. That the fact that they're in jail. <laughs> Opens so many questions. The fact that like Mad Max captured them, but they wouldn't for, like... be in jail. Like that's not like no, we I know. really that's... do that, right? No, I know, I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like the fact that Chris suggested that sort of implies a shitload of stuff that is very not Mad Max. It's just the last episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah, they're all just recounting how how many horrible things were done to them by Mad Max, but he's not even there. I love that the last show. The last episode of that show is just a fucking clip show. Like, how how like bold is that? Yeah. <laughs> Slash shitty. Yeah. It wasn't um, great. 
I was gonna say I think you might be the only person who has ever said I love the last episode of that. <laughs> no, okay. I, by I love it, I'm like I, I love the fact that they made it that way because Jesus Christ, what the fuck? Were, like the fact that somebody made that decision for the final episode of a show that was just like a cultural phenomenon at that point in in history. People were like skipping class, skipping like work to to like secure their place at, in front of the TV and make sure they were gonna miss it and shit. Like I remember that being a huge thing, and then it ended up being a goddamn clip show, and I, I remember how fucking upset everybody was. <laughs> anyway anyway mad max mad max clip show yeah um there was something else i was gonna say about the idea of it being a oh okay yeah so i really like the idea of it being a short miniseries um but i feel like if we were to do that there should be some sort of larger story do you know what i mean like and maybe not maybe the got maybe the the are um the Gotham Knights thing sort of disproves that, but I almost feel like if there is a framing device where people are talking about him, then there, there needs to be some sort of like resolution where why they all well, go around, you know? I'm only half pitching the idea that the twist is Max telling his own story because that's like you end it with like it's like the frame story. You keep going back to the frame story, and then you know that the, basically the the last one is Max's. The last episode is Max's like story that is he's that's been doing. The whole time, you just didn't know it, you know? Interesting. Like, and then he he basically has some kind of scheme going on or something, and, and uh, like, he's rounding these guys up, you know? Yeah, they're, like, at a settlement or something, and, like, everyone's sitting around the campfire, and then there's just, like, this seemingly old man with, like, a cloak over his face, like, in the background. Yeah, the like... one guy with the cloak over his face is definitely not Mad Max the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um... I was the reason I brought it up is just that like shows like Samurai Jack, which I think is a pretty good like touchstone in a lot of ways. Um, that show had like met like uh, um, Jack had a goal, which was to get to like get to and kill the antagonistic force. And it, he just tried every episode. Oh no, sorry, my mistake. It's to get home, right? And every episode, at least early on, was very much like here's another opportunity to get home. There's some guy who can open a portal, and he goes investigate that, and it turns out to be you know. It's like it's like Quantum Leap, very similar. Like, I'm just trying to get home. I'm going to keep trying to keep trying. Oh, it's not what I thought it was. I'll have to fight this guy over and over again. Well, yeah, but you, don't have, to, you don't have to divorce that from, like, they could all be telling stories about Max looking for this thing or, like, do you know what I mean? Like, um, it, it, could, it could basically be that, or he could be looking for it in each of those stories, so they're not wrong. Yeah, that's, that's all I'm saying is I feel like you want to like, pin it around a specific thing. Either he's mm. looking for, you know, the guy who killed his family, which I think is a good good standby, um, or you know, he's looking for someone who stole his dog, or whatever, whatever dumb idea, but something that at least ties everything together, you know. Mm. Yeah, and I, th- I mean, like, I really like the idea of using that structure to comment on Max as a as a sort of mythical figure. I don't know if you guys are into that, but I just I really think that's cool about that series, um, yeah. and like just having the whole that whole. Uh, miniseries basically be set up that way where it's like every story is about basically the same guy could actually be a real story uh, but might not have been Max necessarily right and you don't have to know that one way or the other if it is but like you know there's sort of threads that tie into his his like like Hercules or whatever like you hear you hear stories about him he's always got the same the same elements but they're all there's they're sort of different um aspects of his personality coming out or whatever, really different feats that he's accomplished. Um, you know, and, and like you, you get there and Max doesn't look the same. He doesn't look the same in every episode or something, you right. know, like it could be kind of cool. And then the last episode, like he comes out and is it Max or not? You know, like doesn't matter. Like he's the myth. But then, because yeah. there's something really cool about that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I, it's t- to the point of the um, the Gotham Knight touchstone is that like each episode is just done by an entirely different studio, so like it has a slightly different animation style and slightly different storytelling techniques, and like it would be written by different people, um, so the tone would be different. And um, Max, like if we would just say like here's the sort of like basic outline of what he should look like, but just like draw him however the fuck you want, make him a woman, whatever, make him like a different race, doesn't matter. Um, and so like it's pretty. It would be obvious that that is an intentional choice. It's not just like, oh, he couldn't decide on what he looked like. It would be like, I remember him being five foot ten. No, I remember him being seven foot tall and as broad as you know, like Paul Bunyan style, right? 
um, of just like I, I, I embellished the, the elements of the story to make the storytelling better. Uh, and the campfire ask like the campfire setup really sells that like I'm gonna tell you the story that happened to me, but maybe didn't happen to me. Maybe I'm lying. Maybe I'm just telling you a story that was passed down to me over generations, and it sort of embellished itself over time. And there is that sort of tone of of grand grand sort of storytelling around a fire, that that um, sort of tradition. And so the the idea that in each episode of the story, Mad Max looks a little bit different, but there's some sort of element tying them all together, like he drives the same car or something. Uh, and then if we do have the sort of shadowy figure, everyone's like, all right, you're trying to tell a story. And he takes his hood down and he looks kind of like Mad Max, but, you know, in this in this um, framing device, it would also be a different animation group, so he would look different again. And, you know, he if he were like, oh my God, are you Mad Max? And he would never really answer. He would just sort of like tell a story about Mad Max and then hop in his car and drive away and the whole ant like was he or wasn't he is never resolved it's just sort of like i think he was i, I don't think he was and we just sort of leave it on that note where maybe it was but maybe it wasn't but it doesn't really matter because it maybe it's not one person and i think that's really cool because no one's really looked at mad max from that angle uh i don't think like it may be implied by the fact that it's different actors or two different actors across the movies but to, to make it more explicit is a really cool unique way to sort of like spin on it there's something really cool about that like uh, commenting, or not commenting, but that feels organic to the world that it actually exists in, because, like, in the absence of, like, a constant, like, visual, or being able to remember, like, something via photography at any, by any means, right? Like, it just kind of, like, I think that's how those legends probably have, or legends of the past, you know, like, like, hundreds of years ago, like, certain folk tales and stuff, like, like, Robin Hood, like, any other thing, like, Nobody knows what those people looked like, right? right. Or if they do, it's based off like a fleeting memory and a fleeting glimpse. Or um, a drawing or something. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think that, that could, what could be really cool too is depending on like your storytellers, you know, if like one of them's a kid, Max would be like seven foot or whatever. Right. You know, and then like rugged as shit looking or whatever. And then you could have like, I mean, this is a bad pitch, but you could also have like a woman and he was like, he was like way more handsome in that version. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like so, like you, you could just get you could. It could be defined by the the storyteller in this case yeah. too. Yeah, and get a little um, bit of their personality out through the way that they yeah. see Max. Yeah. Which would be yeah, and I think you'd want to, um, you know, have the like like Harrison was pitching earlier. Like you know, you get different people to do it, different studios, different art styles, and those things are all sort of. Um, woven together in such a way that, you know, the, the, the stories actually feel like different stories, um, but in the same, like, of the same person, about the same person, you know? Like, you can see different aspects of the character through yeah. the ways that they saw them, which would be cool. That's a good point, yeah. And, and if we do go with, like, he's looking for something, he's trying to find something, and that is the sort of, like, through line through it all, uh, it, it definitely makes it feel like it's all part of one anthology of stories about this mythical person on this, on this sort of like odyssey, this quest, you know, that is sort of like taken his whole life or maybe many generations. Cause it's not one guy. Um, but it's just like Johnny Appleseed, like the apocry apocryphal tale of a guy wandering around across America, like planting apple trees, you know, it's just like, he's going from place to place doing a thing that never ends. Like his journey and his, his never, his goal is never reached. Um, and I think that's a really cool, way to look at it um I, it, when you were talking Chris it reminded me of the and I know you haven't seen the second half of, of Beyond Thunderdome but he does meet these kids and like they do tell the story of how the like their, their parents on the plane crash through like I think it's like a like a like the viewfinder things those old like plastic red oh, yeah. uh view wheel, wheel yeah the viewmaster I, am I remembering that correctly Sean um I think so, yeah. Like, and there's like yeah. pictures, there's like touristy sort of like shots of like, welcome to, you know, new, welcome to like, um, you know, this part of Australia. Oh, here's these really big buildings from Sydney or wherever. Oh, look at this plane. And they sort of like hold it, hold the, the wheel, the little like picture wheel over a fire and it projects onto the side of the wall, which is like ridiculous. But uh, that's how they sort of tell the story is through these like stock photos that they found. Um, and whether it's true or not, you can't really tell because it's just all like, welcome to welcome to sydney type stock photos um but it is a sort of to your point like it is a 
style of like the eldest kid who is de facto leader because he's the oldest and biggest is the storyteller and he tells these stories to these kids and they repeat the parts they know so be like and then they he met and they'll pause and the, all the kids will say so and so at the same time and that's sort of like we're all sharing the story kind of thing um so there is like a precedent set for that style of around the campfire telling us telling a mythical story about an event and they talk about like the the um, before the before the explosions, before the nukes and stuff, whatever happened, um, but they weren't alive, right? Like they're they're only like ten years old or whatever, and clearly the this event happened before their lives. They're just passing stories down that they've heard. They don't know if it's true or not, but they sort of take it at face value. Um, so I think that there's already a really good precedent set for that style of of storytelling. You know? Yeah, I think that you know the move like having a narrator in the movies also makes it match up. Right, where you have uh, the the narrator of each of these tales is basically just narrating the way that the movie narrators do. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So, I guess my question would be like, what is the what is the thing in this series that he is trying to accomplish? Like, what is what is in all of these stories? What is the thread that connects them all together? What is the thing Max is trying to accomplish? Mm. He's a weird character because he doesn't really want anything. He's, He's kind of like survive, right? Like, but every everything he wants is about survival. So, like, you know, having him look for something specific, um, maybe that's not the way to go. Maybe the way to go is having the having the frame story be about that. But interesting, having him basically in each story want something different, but all of those things being survival which is kind of what all of those movies are, right? Like he's, you know, he, he, he basically, he wanders in needing one, needing a specific thing, uh, to get out of jail or to get some gasoline or gas, guzzoline. What do they call it? Guzzoline? <laughs> Only in the fourth movie do they call it that? I don't, I think. I think they say that in the second one and third one too. Do they really? I think it's just the, the accent that's throwing you off, but, um, I might be wrong, but, Anyway, like, each of the stories is about him wanting a different aspect of survival, right? Like, like water is one, and, and, and uh, guzzling is another. And, you know, just shelter. Uh, you know, survive, like the, the one we were talking about earlier, where there's a whole episode, uh, a whole story here, where he's just sort of, like, in the desert, um, low on water and, and gas. You know, like, there's just something to that, um, that that speaks to a different aspect of his, like, ability to survive and then one of those is probably psychological like maybe that episode also like deals with that side of him where he's kind of like dealing with the guilt of his family dying or whatever it is right like the one where he's alone in the desert you know he's hallucinating them or so funny i was is. just about to say the same thing like he starts seeing like his dead wife and she like sits down by the car and it's like or like sits in like the driver's seat while he's like pushing it or something uh and yeah, she's, like, like, they don't talk though right like i feel like it's like they don't talk. You just kind of, it's, it's all visual. They, they yeah. tell, tell that story where it's like, you know, he just keeps seeing them in, in places that um, uh, are opportune visual things to remind him of his failures or whatever. Right. You know, like while, while he's failing to do something, he sees them or like you, you actually use the visual to sort of just reinforce um, his struggle as it's been thus far. You know, that huh. could be kind of cool. That is really cool. I don't know if this works with that or not but i was one i was we talked about that kind of like out of gas in the desert episode um and it might be interesting if that was the last episode in which like everybody was if we were going to do the the max steps out of the shadows reveals himself to all these people who are telling stories about him like everybody like that was a story that everybody else had heard about him like he was just like and they'd all heard, heard different versions of the story you know what i mean like i heard once he was out in the he survived out in the middle of the wasteland with no water and no food and, like, had, you know, it, it lost, it, it, it popped a tire or whatever, it set him adrift. And they all kind of, like, recounted um, the version of how he survived that they had heard. And then he kind of stepped up and then, and then told the actual story. Uh, and then maybe <clears throat> you might not even know it's him. Like, like, the people in the circle might not even know it's him. You know, like, like he might recount it, and he might give some of that info about like seeing visions of his wife or something like that, and it's almost it might humanize him too much to the point yeah. where it, that that they're not willing to believe the actual. Yeah, they're fact like, "That's that bullshit. No way." 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it might be, it might be an interesting thing to hear about because uh, it, it might be just an interesting to, thing to play with the storytelling of it, you know? Yeah. And how and 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 kind of get that sort of like Chinese whisper, for lack of a better term. What? Like, <laughs> isn't it? Isn't Chinese whisper in the 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 Telephone? The term used for like how yeah kind of like that telephone. A much less like, racist term for that game. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I was trying to I was trying to caveat the fact that I didn't have a better term, except for that racist one. But you know how stories change <laughs> as they're told and passed down. That's all. I'm yeah, really but... I'm really enamored with the idea of five or six episodes that all come out at the same time, right? Like it's an anthology that all comes out. Like it's released on Netflix all at once or whatever. Uh, it's a DVD. Is, sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry. It's a DVD um, with with, with Only. commentary. There's track. no Blu-ray or anything. No, yeah, this is what 2005, um, <laughs> and uh, you know each one is very unique. But there's a framing device, and each episode, the the purpose of each episode is to display a different part of his personality that is all tied together by the fact that he all he wants to do is just survive another day. Um, <clears throat> I do agree with you, Sean, that, like, he probably shouldn't be, like, searching for the, the magical MacGuffin that will fix everything for him. Like, there is no there is no fixing him, right? Like, there's nothing that would fix his life. Uh, like, even if he was... I just can't think of anything he would want that much. Like, yeah. there's nothing that that character specifically is, like, into enough. Or, like, would believe... He's so cynical and, like, so sort of, like, into him... Into, into only a couple of things, <laughs> like but guns is... and cars and shooting people. But like, and that's why I would think. Are... Go ahead, Chris. I was just gonna say, like, the only thing that even remotely would resonate would be, like, he found out like, Toe Cutter and friends didn't and didn't actually kill his family or something like that, and then he found out it was this other person, right? So, I... but then that takes away that takes away from me from the mythical. I know. I like, that story never really yeah. happened, right? It's like, but I also it would like... have to. It would have to be something that's like emotionally motivated, you know. Yeah. If, yeah. if it were anything at all to work. I agree. And what's interesting to me is like let's just just play with that for a moment. Let's say that he does come across his family. I don't think that that man is the same man that in the first Mad Max where he lost his family and just like it, he he went from Max to Mad Max, right? Like he he's probably gone through so much shit that he wouldn't know. It's like you know, there's been plenty of movies about uh, uh, like soldiers who come back from war and they just can't fucking have a normal life with their family anymore because they're just they've just been they've just gone through so much and they've seen so much shit that they try and like re like restart that life that they put on what they thought was permanent pause but ended up being temporarily paused and they just can't they're not that person anymore and it just sort of falls apart and i feel like if max at the end of all the movies we've seen at the end very end or at the end of this anthology is reunited with his family he would just not know what the fuck to do with himself i don't think he would be able to to like just have that anymore you know yeah yeah Thanks. Good. <laughs> um, uh, the, like, he's been offered like a place to live and a place to belong and like safety. Like at the end of Fury Road, like he very easily could have had a comfortable life with food and water and safety, but he doesn't want that. Like he just doesn't want. I don't think he wants a good life. Maybe he feels like he doesn't deserve it. I don't know. Like he's a man in in search of something that he doesn't even he himself know what it is. And I think that's really compelling for that like larger than life mythological aspects. Like why is he traveling? No one knows. I don't think even he knows, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. What's interesting about this format too, is like you could have, you could have the more traditional sort of bad max stories where there is a villain, you know, there's an antagonist that, that, that for whatever reason he gets wrapped up in the, in that fight as well. Um, but you could also have things like, um, in the shorter format, right? Like you could have something where he like, I think you mentioned one of his goals could be shelter and then he finds the shelter. And then, um, as we saw in Fury Road, there could be like a, a storm, you know, and you could just see him with potentially somebody else he's sharing the shelter with just having to brave the elements, you know? Yeah. Where it's like, it's like, it's, he gets shelter for this night, but it's, it's not easy. And he's just constant. They're just constantly working to like, hold it down almost like a pirate ship in a, in a heavy seas in a storm. You know what I mean? Like just, just battling the elements. Um, like it just feels like this format could open it up to different kinds of Mad Max stories that aren't necessarily all that sort of, you know, there's an antagonist 
Yeah, no, I think it's a villain. It feels like the, the reason for this to exist is it's this sort of like space between the big the big things, you know. Like it's not it's like uh it's like the smaller stories about him, which isn't to say there are any car chases or you know, gun battles or whatever, but like there it's it, it, there's a lot of excitement, but it's less it's it's more about sort of the, the character um as a whole. I never would have expected like after like this, these movies are pretty goofy. They're like Australian like like post-apocalyptic thing with weird mutants and people get their fingers cut off by like feral children with boomerangs and shit. And, like they're pretty goofy, but <laughs> just, just talking for the past like you know hour or so about the space that that character and that world has for like surprising depth uh, and interaction between characters because of Max being actually a pretty deep character when you get all said and done like yeah he's a cop who's angry and kills people for revenge but eventually he gets past that and just becomes a, a sort of wandering like wandering sort of myth and there's something really interesting there that i i would be, i was very surprised like just having ta- like, listened to you guys talk over the last hour and also talked a lot myself it just oh yeah i guess there is a lot of depth that is left to be mined and still have it feel like a mad max sort of thing you know yeah um, it's funny. It reminds me a lot. Just the, just the stories we pitched, and you're probably gonna laugh at me. But it reminds me a lot of um, Next Generation, Star Star Trek Next Generation, um, because there are there's a shitload of episodes where like they pull the old oh the, the the shuttlecraft like crash lands on a planet and they have to survive because you know the, for some story reason the the Enterprise can't find them. Uh, and there's a lot of like enemy mine style. They're trapped in a cave with a Romulan when they're and they're bad guys, but they learn to get along to sort of like brave the elements. Or one of the characters is like mortally wounded and you think they're gonna die. Like there's an episode with Captain Picard and, and Wesley Crusher where like Captain Picard gets like caught in a rock slide and can't move, his like, legs are broken. And so this kid has to go out and do all these things that he's like, I don't know how to fucking do these things. I'm a I'm a kid, you know? Um and it's you know, in in an anthology like this you could set up like someone's going to die and Mad Max has to sort of coach them through like, all right, we're going to make things as comfortable for you as possible. What do you think? Like, like I'm going to die. I'm scared. What is it like to be, you know, I've never known what death is like, you know, I'm like a sheltered person. And there's a lot of interesting, like that show does a lot of interesting uh, one-off episodes where like they're in a really precarious situation and the enterprise can't get to them. So they're stuck in like a container ship on a planet surface and there's like lots of storms and they can't get away, but they have to sort of eke out them in existence and sort of figure out how to make things. And then there's always a, a twist or someone's a fucking alien or is mind controlling some whatever. But there, there is, there's a lot of space for the elements are against us. People are against us. Our own bodies are against us. Uh, uh, stories that to sort of smash two, two or three or four people together in a really interesting way. For sure. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Yeah. It's true. I didn't realize how much Mad Max was like Star Trek: The Next Generation. Now you know. That's what you get for listening to this episode. <laughs> but it's it's funny how frequently they they pull that old like oh we crash land on a desert planet like they do it like a dozen times at least. Well, I think we have our title: Mad Max: <laughs> The Next Generation. Oh shit! <laughs> Please yeah. don't sue us. Uh, Makes complete Paramount. sense, especially after I say it out loud. Because it's definitely the next generation of Mad Maxes. Like he's been training, like in a Jedi temple, more Mad Maxes, like young, like Mad Max Juniors, like fucking Indiana Jones Junior, which was totally a cartoon from like the nineties. Oh God, James Bond Junior. Oh fuck yeah! Perfect. That's yeah. what it should be. Mad Max Junior. Well, it should be for some reason. She'll be a, a girl, and she'll be Mad Maxine. Uh, well, she was still. It was still. It was still reduced Max to Mad Max. Short. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you don't even have to have the junior. Just like. See, we're the... back on the kids, the kids show again. We figured it out. It took us all this time. We <laughs> pulled it all the way back. Full to the circle, show. baby. Yep. Kids will love an hour-long t- uh, television show about somebody stranded in the desert. Yep. Perfect. Try to fix <laughs> a tire. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. Just a, a wordless uh, television show with uh, metaphors about uh, guilt. Perfect. Kids love that these days. We're all we all feel like shit these days because of you know current events. They'll understand. <laughs> Kids are sophisticated. Yeah, never, never, never uh, patronize children. You know they're smarter than you think. I know that. You don't know that. All right. No, I don't. My right. my children, my child is a blithering idiot. A blithering idiot. <laughs> blithering idiot. I where did you get that from? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Yeah. Well, that was a fun talk about Mad Max. Yeah, we made a bunch yeah. of different show styles out of that. 
Yeah. But yeah, I think we land on something cool. That would be cool. I'd watch that. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of a, I'm, I'm happy that we land on something cool, but there's a part of me that's still a little disappointed that we didn't talk sit here and talk for an hour about, you know, Mad Max and his dog in a car in like a in like a badly animated cartoon series. Yeah, where and the dog has a, a gun turret on the back that he can fire with his teeth. Yeah, or he's like Mad Max, like in the first episode, finds somebody who makes a thing that translates like barks into language. Perfect. But <laughs> so it's like really so simple sign talk. language stuff like hungry yeah. danger like it's not like full he's like snarf you can only say so many words yeah yeah and i totally bring back that uh the helicopter guy who was in the second and third movies as a different character somehow oh man the goggles dude yeah, 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 yeah. oh absolutely he would definitely he be, would be like the show. launch pad mcquack <laughs> yeah yeah for sure <laughs> be him and um yeah who else what the other feral, the feral boomerang there? kid for sure will be there yeah, and then Toe Cutter would be there as, uh, you know, as the villain with one eyebrow well, he would. I feel like, God, that's so weird. I think he would be the, like, bumbling guy who tried to be, he would try, he would be, like, the the, um, the wily coyote that would show up to, like, foil their plans, but is never actually really a threat, and then there's, like, the actual threat down the road, right? Because Toe Cutter, come on, it's not a very good name for, for like, Well, yeah, they would, they'd have to, you have to turn him into, like, a, like, a, like, an almost a joke. Yeah, like a bumbling villain. idiot. Yeah, like a blithering idiot. Yeah. Ah, I did it that time. You did it. Fuck you. You, you nailed yeah. it. I did. All right. Hey, there we go. We did it. We spent all that time <laughs> talking about this. That's all you need for that show. We did it. It wrote itself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that was fun. Um, thanks for joining <laughs> us. <laughs> I meant that. Uh, thanks for joining us this week. Um, that's all. <laughs> I don't have anything else. I was going to wrap this up, but I can't. Because uh, I'm, I'm a, a blithering idiot. Fool. Oh. So I changed it up on you. I knew you thought I was going to yeah. say that. that yeah, time. I did. You but. set it up. Well, it's a good it's okay. Word. I'm just going to fade all this out during the edit anyway. <laughs> this music picks up. Yeah, that's uh, good. Yeah, that's fine. Hey, folks. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. I wanted to take a super quick moment and mention that as a small podcast, we rely on your support and word of mouth to help us get out there to more folks. Chris, Sean, and I do Storied because, you know, we love talking about media and we love sharing it with all of you. So if you're enjoying Storied, it would help us immensely if you would take a few seconds to sort of rate us uh, and write us a review on iTunes. Uh, sharing episodes you like with your friends also helps a ton, too. So thank you so, so much, and we'll see you next time.